Hi everyone, welcome to The Blank Canvas, the arts and education podcast from Lester B. Pearson School Board. This is Frank Caracciolo, artist and arts consultant for the Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please join us as we speak with people making a difference in the arts and education community. Today on The Blank Canvas podcast, I'm pleased to welcome the leader's navigator, Mr. David Irvine. Mr. Irvine is author of several books, his recent Caring is Everything, and my favorite, The Other Everest. These books inspire leadership strategies to be more fulfilled at work and more importantly in life. Good morning. Welcome to The Blank Canvas. I'm here with David Irvine. Good morning, David. Good morning, Frank. This is a privilege and a, and a real honor for me. Thanks for uh, for having inviting me in. Well, it was great. Um, we had such a powerful session the last time we were together, working together with the consult, the arts consultants from Quebec. And then uh, I was privileged to be uh, in on a seminar you gave for the Lester B. Pearson School Board. And that's what really uh, started our, our kind of back and forth together. So can you just give us a little bit of information for our listeners about uh, who you are and where you're from and, and a little bit of your background? Absolutely, Frank. So I come from, I'm in, I live in Western Canada just west of Calgary, just in the foothills of the uh, Rockies out here. And my background is, uh, my, my first degree was in early childhood education. And then I went back and did my graduate work in uh, social work and family therapy with an emphasis in family therapy. I was a family therapist uh, for 10 years back in the 80s. And then, um, and, and then I, I started to do talks for parents uh, on raising accountable kids, particularly back in the 80s. It was a real passion of mine. And uh, what, I, what I found out was I got business leaders who came to my parenting talks and they said, you should take this same material and come and present to our organization about, uh, about how to get along together and how to build accountability and how to be authentic, all the things you were telling these parents. So it, quite by, na- by accident, um, my, uh, my profession evolved from family therapy into what I would call today maybe organizational therapy but really I'm in the leadership development field. So I write and I travel and speak around the world to, to, uh, to people to help them develop better leaders. Well, I know that after our session with the, uh, the MAD2 group, um, it was such an emotional, powerful session that we went and I was getting emails back from everybody that was in the group and um, I, it was just impactful. And I, I hope that uh, other people understand that um, it's so important right now during the time that we're living to reflect and go back a little bit on who you are as a person. And that's why I, I, I'm so happy that you're on today. Can you just, um, can you share what this year has been like for you? Because everybody has been, you know, like throughout the podcast interviews that I've been doing, I'm always revisiting that too. Like how, how's the year been for everybody? And, you know, it, it's different, right? It's, it's a totally different uh, way of education and speaking and, so what's happening? Well, thanks, Frank. Yeah. Uh, so my business is not unlike what teachers do. It's it's in person. I I travel, and uh, I I present at conferences. I run workshops, and so when the pandemic hit, um, my virtually I was I had two years uh, of that was wiped off the calendar. Uh, two years of scheduled uh, speaking engagements and presentations and workshops. We take leaders away for four days up at the BAMP Center and, and have them unplug their devices and get into their hearts. And, and uh, all of that was taken off my schedule. So I actually went into quite a depression for about three months. 
afterwards. I because I, I basically my identity is probably probably too much in my work, but my identity was basically taken away. And and so I really did some soul searching. And I said, you know, where am I going to go with this? And I, people would come and say, oh, you can repivot, you can reposition yourself. But I just wanted to kind of punch him in the nose because I, I really just wanted to go into my heart and say, where's this next chapter in my life? People told me I'm, I'm 65. So they said, oh gosh, you can retire. And I really don't have any interest in retiring. It's um, my life is, I, I feel as though uh, my life is coming to fruition uh, right now. And it's, I'm really finding my, my way in a way that I never have before. At any rate, I, I after some very serious soul searching, I, I did what all teachers are doing, which is uh, I went online and said, you know what, I'm going to learn to take this material uh, online. And I learned that you can actually convey the heart through the internet and that it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful tool. And uh, it's really given me an opportunity, frankly, to uh, reach many more people. And it will be a parallel business for me. Even when we go, we go back to face to face and we will as soon as uh, this thing is uh, safe. But it will always be, I don't think it'll ever go back to normal in that I think that, uh, you know, conferences are going to turn more to being more online, but we will never get rid of in-person meetings. We're, we're human beings and we need that personal connection. And I certainly know I'm a hugs and handshake guy. And so I look forward to getting back to that. So uh, to answer your uh, long-winded answer to your question, um, it's, been a, it's been invigorating uh, as I've re as I've repositioned my business. And it's also been very sad, uh, the connection that I've missed in the, in the face-to-face. So it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a mix. Yeah, and I get that too when I go to classes. Like I'm very lucky that I still get to go in to certain schools that allow uh, visitors and do workshops. And it, right away, your heart starts moving at a different uh, pace, right? Because you have these people in front of you. And I, I'm one of those people that like the energy of the people in the audience or the, or the class. And I work off of that. So it's been a transition for a lot of people, a lot of teachers. And, you know, uh, of course, I'm uh, the arts consultant at the school board. And so I'd like to ask you, because on several occasions when we've spoken, we've talked about the importance of arts. And uh, I just wanted to get from you some of the perspective that you have about um, the importance of arts and education. Well, this is very deep. It, it's uh, very important to me. Um, I look at art in education, like if I can imagine, my, my dad was a painter. I, I, I'm, I'm surrounded by artists. My dad was a painter. My oldest daughter is a, is a potter and graphic designer. Um, my middle daughter is a performing artist and teaches uh, uh, performing arts, uh, drama and, and uh, poetry in English at a, at a high school. And then my youngest daughter is in law enforcement and she explains the art of dealing with criminals in the law enforcement area. And, you know, very, you know, as a last resort, does she use physical uh, intervention? It's an art. Leadership is an art. Everything is an art. It's an interesting thing. Even if you're an engineer, there's an art to engineering. There's an art to science, strangely enough. And so I'm intrigued with the whole notion. We have a whole section in our four day leadership development program on creativity. There isn't a company in the world that doesn't talk about innovation. There isn't an organization that doesn't believe in how important it is to be innovative. So you have there's an art in all work. And what I look at in school is that we're trained to see subjects like, um, like containers of paint, but the 
when you specifically begin to take the arts in education, fine arts, the art of, of any kind of art, it takes those containers and it spills it onto a palette and it makes life beautiful and meaningful. And without the art of life, life has no meaning. It becomes what the, what the philosoph Japanese philosopher uh, Kenichi Omar called uh, cookie cutter skillologists, where we take, and he was, he was talking about in Japan, historically what they've done is they've identified CEOs when kids are six years old, this is a potential six-year-old, and they move them through the school system and teach them how to be a business leader without any other education. They put them down this, this stream, and he calls it, he says that we end up graduating kids as cookie-cutter skillologists as opposed to integrated human beings. So what art does is it integrates us together. It integrates all of the subject matter and it's it 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 in a messy creative way it helps us integrate it and there isn't a leader in the world today that is not required to be an integrated person and so uh, again it's a long answer to your very important question but art integrates us and it's in it's who we are as picasso said uh you don't have you have to, we're born artists you don't have to learn to be an artist. You have to learn how to not be an artist, and it gets trained out of us. Yeah, and and that's uh that's something that I'm a hundred percent behind this idea of of integrating arts into everything. That's one of been uh, that has been one of my missions is to have an interdisciplinary approach where uh, math is art and science is art, and I think that they are. And uh, there's been a lot of conversations about you know teaching to an exam. And, uh, you know, then some of those things get filtered away because they're so uh, worried about uh, working on exams and getting things done properly and studying for that, and that they're losing some of this really organic, wonderful energy that could be more uh, exploratory when you're, when you're working so that you, you have a um, more artistic approach to problem solving. Because I think that right, creativity is critical thinking. That, that's hands down. Without that, it's... It doesn't work when you're solving a problem, right? You have to think outside the outside the box. That's one of those cliches that everybody says. Well, just think outside the box, and uh, I think that it's re it's really an important uh, important thing to have and understand. I mean, like people do art, but having it, you know, that understanding of how important and impactful it is in the long run, you know, and way that people see culture and the way they can express themselves. So. I'm really happy um, that we're on the same page with that, for sure. Let me just reiterate a little sure. bit about that. I think it's a misnomer to think that art is a subject. And I think this is what you're saying. We, we traditionally look at, okay, we're going to go to math, biology, and then we go to art. And it's not integrated. And so you're, you're exactly accurate in terms of my perspective, that it's a way of being uh, the late... Uh, Murray Phillips, who was a mentor of mine, a very renowned Canadian artist, used to tell me, uh, first of all, when my brother was dying, he gave me an assignment that every day to just sit with a, he bought, not bought me actually a, a, an art, an artist pad and a pen. And he said, just sit every day and draw. Sit and draw something in your office, look out the window and draw whatever you see. No one will see it. It's like a journal. And it was my artist's journal. And it, it was very healing 
in the work of taking my brother through the dying process. Uh, I think of when I was a therapist and working with kids who had been through trauma and the power of art, just a piece of paper and a pencil, um, giving them a, a, some painting and having them paint their experience, extremely healing. Uh, it's part of who we are. You know, we're, we're, you know, when somebody says, well, I'm not a good artist yeah. or I'm not creative. Well, that's like saying, I'm not a, uh, that's like disowning a part of their humanness. We're all artists. It's just, it's just how we, how we can evaluate it. It's like, I'm not a very good human being. Well, that's an evaluation. I'm not a very good artist. Well, who says you're not a good artist? It's all in the eyes of the beholder. And we, we, we create this notion that art is about the production of something rather than the way of being. And this I, is what Murray taught me is art is about seeing the world more slowly. And it's about integrating all of the aspects in our life together. So I'm really kind of repeating myself, but yeah, but, but it's, 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 it's so important because for me, it's, you know, as a painter outside of the education circle, um, it's, it's really not really about the end product. It's about that time that I spend making something. And I try to explain that to, to a lot of people, you know, like if you were baking a cake, it's the joy of getting the ingredients and mixing and seeing if it's going to work, you know, and it's exciting. And then, and then, you know, when you, you know, either it works or it doesn't work, right. Or it's delicious or it's not. And so that it's the same thing, right. It's the same thing, but people look at it in this different context. You can't do anything in life without art. Yeah. Everything in life is art. Cooking is art. Of course. Yeah. Building a house is art. Ask any carpenter the artistic side of their work and they will, they will try in some ways to articulate it. But we have an idea in this culture that if we can't articulate it and measure it in a particular way that it doesn't have value. Art teaches us quite the opposite, that the most important things in life you can't necessarily articulate. Yeah, and like we both are the journey is the destination kind of guys, right? So it's, it's something else. I, you know, I just and want this to- this has leadership imperative, Frank. This has business imperative. Uh, to, and this is what's needed in our organizations today is this sense of integration. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just the way of looking at things, right? Like you said, like instead of a subject, it should just be integrated throughout. I wanted just to speak a little bit about your books because I have them, uh, they surround me, I read them and uh, you know, I go back and forth through them all the time and I, I, they really are very helpful. So thank you for uh, you know, sharing them with us. Um, they've helped educators and business people and people seeking to better themselves, right? So can you just speak a little bit, because this is the book that I'm just so crazy about, is The Other Everest. Um, when I, I read that, I get to certain points, I got to go back, I read it again, I make notes in it, and then I share it actually, like when I'm doing my own workshops. So can you just reflect a little bit about your, your journey making such a book like that? The Other Everest is based on a notion, Frank, that we live in a world that adheres and celebrates the achievement of heights. The, you know, uh, grade point average, the higher your grade point average, the better the student you are. Uh, what college we go to, what achievement, you know, the size of our incomes, the size of our, you know, the, the height of our achievement. And that's what I would call the Everest. So we all know that you know, the highest point on the planet is more than 8,000 meters above sea level and it's called Mount Everest. But what's less known is that the deepest point of the planet 
is found eight, more than 8,000 meters below the sea level, which is it's the, in the found in the Mariana Trench, which is virtually an inverted Everest. And it's, 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 our, premise, it's our premise in the book that, height, uh, that success isn't just about height. It's also about depth. And it's about who you are as a person. And it's taking that journey downwards. We're all, we all talk about growing up and the importance of growing up in life. And what the notion in the other Everest that I propose is that there's also a growing down. It's reaching that soul level and bringing that soul more, more um, deliberately to our work and to our lives, particularly in the work of leadership. Artists understand that. Artists understand that to get to be an artist, you know, to really fully express your work as an artist, it takes depth. It takes that slowing down, and and it's not always about doing more, but it's doing. It's the quality that we bring, which which brings me to the authentic part, right? Like to be authentic. So, um, you know, when I was a younger artist, I was chasing these other artists that were doing really well financially, successfully, and you know, you wanted to be them. You wanted that fame. You wanted that prestige that they that you you were witnessing but then in the end you realize that it's really about having the opportunity to make art and then that that's where it's all that's where the value comes in for myself personally but you know like when you you talk about um a lot about the authentic self can you go into that a bit and just what what are we thinking about when we say uh be authentic well you just described it in the last one minute here when you said you went through a period in your life where you were chasing the external and then you begin to evolve. You just took that authentic journey, which I would love to know what your defining moments were that shifted the focus from going to the external, which is about being comparing and being like somebody else to deepening and saying, no, what I want in my life is to express myself more fully to bring my full self to my work more deeply. This is the authentic journey. So the notion of an authentic self, Frank, is that we're all in, in my premise, we're born authentic. And any parent with more than two children or more than one child understands that right from day one, your child has a distinct essence of who they are. And that is their authentic self. But what, we, what happens is that we grow up in this world that tells us how we should be. And we conform to the world, and we, uh, which we, it's a part of our development to conform to the world like that. But then what we do is that we, we dismiss and diminish that authenticity of who we are really meant to be. We are all born as a seed of possibility, just like this, an acorn seed is born to one day be a giant oak. We are all born with a destiny. I always say you can be unemployed, but you can't be uncalled. We're called to express ourselves more fully. And what the authentic journey is, is to connect with that authentic self, to reconnect with it, it because most of us have lost touch with it. And, and then bring that authentic self to our lives and particularly to our leadership. It's interesting, I'm coaching right now a woman who spent 25 years in the corporate world as an executive, and she's now retired. And she's finding an, a whole, she, she hired me to coach her because she wanted to go into this next chapter of her life authentically. And what we've been reflecting on in the last couple of sessions is how for 25 years, her life was spent in probably longer than that, if you include it, meeting her teacher's needs. 
Hmm. But her 25 years in the corporate world was spent giving others what they wanted. And now she's at a stage where she's saying, what do I want? What is my soul desire? And starting to live her life in alignment with that. Now, my hope is that we could integrate those two earlier in our lives so that we can bring them together. And this is one of the roles of art is to help that integration between what the world wants and what the soul desires. And when those two are married, that's when we have true fulfillment and meaning in our lives and, and, the, and make the most impact. Another point that I liked so much is, and it's something that I try to practice, but you get off key was, is uh, living in the moment, like being present. For me, uh, when you're making art, is the most, it's the most immediate, quick uh, express lane to get to that, right? It's just to be where I am. That, I don't know if I've trained myself over the years, but as soon as I start working, everything else goes away. And we'd like to have that when you're doing anything, right? We're multitaskers, right? We, we pride ourselves in doing 30 things at once, you know? When you're really being present and you're where you are, not worried about what happened yesterday and what might happen tomorrow, I find that you get uh, a richer outcome for that moment, right? So being present was something that you called upon in your book. So can you tell us a little bit about how you, you came to that? Well, you know, you just expressed this as an artist. This, you, can't, you can't create without really fully being present to the experience. This is the work of an artist. And it's honestly no different in leadership. This is the, the art of leadership is fully being present in the moment to the people that you serve. And you know, this is what we describe uh, in, our, in our work around the art of leadership is this notion of being fully mindful and uh, recognizing, and you know, at life, I, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life um, learning how to be present. I noticed that one of the things I've done during this pandemic is I've taken a meditation class and uh, just learning about the importance of being present to the experience has, it's where the richness of life is. Frankly, life isn't lived yesterday or tomorrow. Life is lived in this moment. In our conversation right now, this is where life is. This is where life is experienced. And I just have learned, and artists in my life have, have had an impact on me this way, to teach me the value of being present. And it's, it's one of the components in our leadership development program is this whole notion of mindfulness and recognizing, even if you can recognize when you're not present, then you can be present to that. Because none of us are fully present ever, I don't think. I think it's a, it's a lifelong practice. But this is where we really fully make an impact in the world is if by being present. And this is where life is. This is where the meaning of life is. It, it's really rich, uh, the things that you're, you're, you're sharing today. And, you know, like when you, you talk about being present and, and making art. And, you know, also I've read in, uh, in the book that, you speak about um, taking time or you, you cite uh, a CEO who takes time and schedules time. Um, and I'd like you to speak about that because I think that that's something that I try to lend to the teachers that I work with, like schedule that time just for yourself to think, you know, like you're, you're just going to put blank time aside. They say like, I have a 30 minute block. That's just for me to think. And I don't think that we do enough of that. And to get to the being present and to be authentic, I think that that's, that's really helped me, like, you know, putting aside a little bit of time 
you know, taking a walk and just sitting someplace and thinking and then going back to and getting back into it, you know? So how did you come up with that um, as, a, as a key point in, in well, the book? I came up with it mostly from my, the students who are my teachers. So the corporate leaders that I work with, all the best leaders create time away for what Cal Newport in his work, he wrote a beautiful book called Deep Work. And all of the great thinkers and creative people and artists and, and authors create time away to write, to be creative, to think, to vision, away from the normal operations of their life. If you're managing the operations, that's called management, but leading requires this transformational uh, moments in our life where we take time away to just give ourselves what we call boundary time, to just really uh, be present to some of the strategies that we're doing, creative projects that we're doing, deeper work. I know that I would never write a book if I didn't schedule time to write. That is my, you know, it's when it's one of those things that are what we call important, but it's not urgent. The urgent continually demands on us. It's interesting, we're, we're running a masterclass right now and one of the CEOs in the masterclass uh, was meeting with some of his colleagues and, and we were, he, he was talking about his goals. And one of the things that he had as a, in his goal list is to have more white space in his life. That life is filled up with demands to the point where, where you know, do we want on our headstone to be written? Well, we got through our inbox. We emptied our inbox. This is not what life is about. It's about creating space in our life. And you know what? There's two ways to create space. One is to structure space each week where we have time to write where we have time to reflect, where we have time to think. The other way to create space is just to slow down and make room when you're at the grocery store, to make room for 30 seconds, to make the cashier's day a little better, to give some encouragement to the person that's in line ahead of you. Yeah, I find that that, that comes right back to you if you're doing those kinds of, uh, taking those kinds of actions. They, they, they seem to feed you more than the other person, right? At like your that compliment to the you know the young guy who just bagged your groceries, you know, uh, as opposed to the person that walks away, right, and says nothing, right? They're they being acknowledged, and and that actually feeds into your your um, your energy, and I think that that's uh, that's something that you know that's being present as well, you know, right? You you know you you have to know that that, that that's this what's is the happening. Art of living. Yeah. You see, life. I could argue is an art form and this is what i learned from artists you know the transaction of our life the science if you will of our life is that we give a credit card to a cashier and she gives us the groceries he, he gives us the groceries and we walk away and it's a transaction but what what makes life rich is if we could actually slow down see the world more slowly and make a connection all the way along. There's all kinds of opportunities. Here's a little experiment that we could give our listeners. Next time you're in a public place, just stop. Could be in a busy street corner. Could be, um, and, you know, I know we haven't been in airports much these days, but anytime that we're in a busy, crowded place, a mall, just stop and look around and look for love. Look for beauty. It's all around us. Watch a child being responded to by a parent. 
a grandparent, another person who gracefully offers their hand to somebody. It's all around us, just like beauty is. But when we're in a hurry, we don't experience the beauty. Just think for a moment, contrast that with driving through traffic, being late for a meeting. Just go back at the last time you were late for a meeting. Now ask yourself, while you were driving through traffic, consumed with um, uh, being late, we've all been there. Now ask yourself, how much beauty did you experience around you? Yeah, your mind totally shuts off from that, right? It, it totally it, it shuts. Get it because it goes into a stressor. Uh, it goes into a different, your, your brain can't access it because it's in a stress response. And if you live your life in that stress response, you're incapable of just being present to the beauty that's around you. And what artists teach you is everything has beauty. Next time you're, if you're in a significant relationship, next time you're cooking supper or washing dishes or cleaning up the house with a significant partner in your life, just pause for a moment in the busyness of it all and look them in the eyes and see if you can feel their essence and their soul. And, you know, even when we're in public and these days needing to wear masks, my photographer taught me years ago, you can smile with your eyes. This is art. You see, this is coming from a photographer. She says, don't smile with your mouth, smile with your eyes. And this is even when we're wearing, wearing masks, we can look at each other and experience beauty. It's all around us. This is the work of an artist. David, it's amazing. I'm so pleased that we were able to spend time today together. It's, uh, it's really, uh, I feel very honored to have you on. And uh, I, of course, I'm a big fan of the books. Can you tell us what's, what's up next for you? Like, what, what would you be doing next that we might see or, or get, uh, you know, uh, information about? Well, thank you, Frank. We are, we have a webinar coming up uh, that you can find on our website. Uh, but we have a webinar coming up, at, uh, and it's all about uh, looking at, uh, that's on the 24th of June, and it's all about um, looking at the hidden side of yourself, looking at the shadow side and how that relates to leadership. So there's an artistic work in that. We are doing up, we're doing upcoming uh, master classes in leadership. We're doing in the fall, we're doing upcoming uh, classes on transitions. And so, yeah, just check out our website at irvinestone.com and you can uh, find out all that information. Thank you, Frank. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. And I hope we stay in touch. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with you some more, David. Uh, I'm very inspired by our talk today. And of course, all the, all the materials and uh, workshops that I've attended has just been, uh, you know, very helpful, especially during this time. So thank you for your time coming into the blank canvas. I'm so pleased. So have a great day and uh, best to you and yours on that side of the country. Thank you, Frank. Keep up your great work. Thank you, sir. This podcast made possible by the Educational Service Department at Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please find The Blank Canvas on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you download your podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.